Introduction to Theory of Knowledge, Knowledge in the Nowhere. The whole of this uh, Theory of Knowledge blog, uh, the purpose for it is captured in the opening quote taken from Richard Hooker's Laws of Ecclesiastical Polity from 1554. Posterity may know we have not loosely, through silence, permitted things to pass away as in a dream. Why is an alternative approach necessary? This alternative approach begins with a generalized assertion about the IB diploma program, that it is one of the flowerings of the essence of technology, whose origins lie in Western European thinking, which began with the Renaissance and developed from the thinking present at that time. Essence means what something is, that which lets something be whatever it is. But our understanding of what something is, and what lets be what something is, has changed since ancient times. The theory of knowledge course, in its ends, its assessments, attempts to be a, quote, set of conceptual tools that are to be applied to concrete situations, end of quote, through its exhibition and its essay. But what are these conceptual tools in their essence? From where did they originate? And how do they engender our understanding of what makes for a, quote, concrete situation? Because of the reality of time constraints within the overall carrying out of the diploma program, a great deal of what is necessary to be learned to be able to discuss the topics of TOK with any depth must be skipped over. And this skipping over of things is very characteristic of the search for knowledge in our modern age. Every asking about something, every questioning is a seeking. And every seeking is a journey. Every seeking journey is guided beforehand by what is sought. Our seeking is the act of questioning, an aware seeking for something with regard to the fact that it is, its whatness, and with regard to the manner of its being, its howness, its manner of being what it is. It is an inquiry and then investigating, in which we lay bare what the questioning is about, and we ascertain its character. In theory of knowledge, the questioning is, is about knowledge, and what we know, and how we know it. We are guided in this search for the what and the how of knowledge, in various domains or areas of knowledge, through the framework of scope, perspectives, methods and tools, and ethics. Scope means to view, to see. Microscope means to see small. Telescope means to see far. The seeing is what the Greeks call theoria, or what we call theory. It is through seeing that we know things, that we experience things. The Greek word episteme, referred to this type of knowledge. The extent of the area or subject matter that something deals with 
or to which it is relevant, is the horizon of the seen. Theory of knowledge's scope is all comprehensive, for it deals with, quote, exploring the nature and scope of different themes and areas of knowledge. It explores how each theme slash area of knowledge fits within the totality of human knowledge, and also considers the nature of the problems that each theme slash area of knowledge faces and tries to address. End of quote. It's from the Theory of Knowledge Guide, page 12. In ancient days, this was referred to as philosophy, or knowledge of the whole. The philosopher seeks for knowledge of the whole of things. That theory of knowledge makes explicit that it is not a philosophy course, indicates the state of what has been called philosophy in the past and in the English-speaking tradition in particular, in the present. The guide provides an analogy or metaphor of the search for knowledge, comparing this search to a map, where all specific details are not and cannot be provided in it. But as any middle school geography student can tell us, there are certain requirements for a map to be a map. Most maps will have the five following things, a title, a legend, a grid, a compass to indicate direction, and a scale. Our title for our map is the search for knowledge. What do we know and how do we know it? Our legend will be our key concepts, which are outlined below and which predominate throughout the journey we are taking to knowledge how we will come to define as knowledge what we discover. Our grid will help provide the place, the position, or the stand of where and how the objects of knowledge are to be discerned, our areas of knowledge, our hypotheses and processes. The compass provides us with the methodology, the sense of direction, when we begin from our starting point, the manner and mode of how we will achieve this knowledge, how we will conduct our journey. This sense of direction is precluded and predetermined, and it will determine where we will arrive at what, will, what we will determine to be. And the scale will provide the measuring of that which we would call knowledge in relation to its actuality or reality. It is in this scale that we will find the concept of what we call truth. For in the scale, we have what we call judgment. The essay assessment will approach knowledge questions, what are called second order questions for the most part, on the areas of knowledge that have been chosen to be examined. How do areas of knowledge come about? What determines how things are defined and classified so that they will be placed in one area of knowledge and not in another? From where and how does this taxonomy originate? A number of important concepts and key terms are prominent in the study of theory of knowledge. Evidence, certainty, 
truth, interpretation, power, justification, explanation, objectivity, perspective, culture, values, and responsibility. Many of these important concepts and key terms that are given in the Theory of Knowledge course are based on the Latinate origin of these terms in English, because contemporary philosophical English is, for the most part, Latin in origin. This Latinate origin of the philosophical thinking in our language is most important in how we come to interpret and to understand the meaning of the concepts that are handed over to us, of what we conceive our personal knowledge to be, and what and how we are to understand the knowledge that is given to us and to which we are indebted in the handing over to us of our traditions, the knowledge that comes to us from our communities. The understanding of these terms is historical for us and that their meaning and significance changes over time. Whether this is indeed the case is something that will have to be examined and interrogated. Thinking about technology, for instance, requires us to redetermine the meaning of the sense of essence, or how we understand what something is, things, and concrete situations. And in this redetermination, to hear what is being said in our word technology. This redetermination of the sense of essence, of what we think something is, is one that allows us to see the illumination of truth as it is understood in the diploma program and in the English-speaking West in general, as the truth revealed to us through the seeing and hearing that is called technology. How we will see and hear has been predetermined for us long before our arrival on this planet as individuals. We think of the essence as a one, which many things have in common. The many human beings have the one essence, humanity, in common. The many trees have one essence, treeness, in common. The essence is, therefore, the universal concept or genus, while the individuals are the various species or singular cases. In order to grasp what many things have in common, we must first go out and see or experience the individual things. From this experience, we can abstract out from the individuals that respect in which they are all alike. The individuals precede the essence in our experience, and the individuals are instances of the essence. What those individual things are is defined or determined by the conceptual tools we use that determine our viewing, our way of looking upon things. This determination is our judgment of the things, which is given to others through language. This is the essence of the theory of knowledge assessment called the exhibition. How we approach to the things is the foundation of the exhibition. 
through the concepts provided from the theory of knowledge course, students are asked to choose artifacts that exhibit something of a real-life situation from which they will determine general knowledge questions which are appropriate to ask or raise about how we interpret or understand those artifacts in that situation, whatever it may be. The exhibition uses inductive reasoning to go from the individual or particular to the general to make judgments about the things being examined or the questions asked. To exhibit means to bring to presence, to show something which has been grasped and appropriated or taken possession of and belonging to one. To take what had previously been hidden and bring it to light. This bringing to presence relates to how the Greeks understood truth as uncoveredness. Bringing something to light, a showing forth. To grasp means to take hold of something, to make something one's own, to make judgments about it, make it available for use. The understanding of truth that is given here in these writings is from its original Greek understanding. Truth is an uncovering, a disclosing, a revealing, an unconcealing. Truth allows something to shine forth in its appearance as essence, as what it is. When the philosopher Kant says that judgment is the seat of truth, what he is saying is that when we, when we determine what something is, we make statements or judgments about that thing. To make judgments about things requires that we provide evidence to support the assertions about the thing in question and to make the thing manifest clear, to bring the thing to light. We call this making manifest the principle of sufficient reason. Things, however, have an uncanny way of revealing and concealing themselves at the same time, one of the ways being through language. We may ask the questions, do things get to arrive in their truth, their essence, in the technological worldview of our present time, and thus in the IB diploma program? The answer to this question is no. We shall explore what it means to say this, and the consequences of saying it. Coursing one, knowledge in the empowering or empowered self. We need to begin by investigating that all human beings interpret themselves in their questioning and their assertions. And so we, were, we are all philosophers to some extent. Our beginnings of our questions and the interpretations that are our answers to them take place within our being in the world, the social and cultural contexts that are our shared knowledge, our traditions, and our community. The questioning determines, and has determined, what knowledge will be understood as from the beginnings of these shared traditions. This questioning and the manner of questioning rests upon and springs from how and what we understand what truth is. What we conceive the truth to be 
determines what we think ourselves as human beings to be. Truth in human being, in its humaneness, are inextricably linked. Without truth and bringing to truth to presence, human beings become something other than what they are in their essence. The makers of the theory of knowledge course appear to take the position that the best way forward implies a responding to and a questioning of the traditions, legacies, and histories that make us what we are, our shared knowledge, our response, our responsibility, the ability to respond with some sense of freedom of thought in relation to our traditions, is the liberation that is education. But this way forward is predetermined by how truth is understood and has been understood in the traditions that have come down to us, in the language that has been given to us. Our questioning and our thinking are dominated by historicism. Those who come from a scientific or mathematical background might find the thinking and questioning in theory of knowledge difficult and useless. This should not be surprising. Our shared knowledge or traditions from the sciences is based on a mode or manner of being in the world that calculates what beings things are in advance in order to secure them for usefulness, to put them to use either now or at some point in the future. It determines the possibilities and the potentialities of things. In this determination of a thing's possibilities and potentialities, it makes of things disposables so that human beings in their dispositions can commandeer and make use of them. But to do so, the things or entities of the world must first be turned into objects. Both the natural and human sciences believe themselves to be in possession of the truth of some kind, or at least on the way to truth. And the scientists within these domains or areas of knowledge believe this possession is genuine knowledge. Science is the theory of the real. From within this possession, these scientists must strive to carry out a destiny predetermined for them from very long ago. The word science itself is derived from the Latin meaning knowledge. The Greeks understood it as episteme, knowledge, and it was directly related to theoria or theory, a manner of looking at the world. And we understand epistemology as the study of what makes knowledge to be knowledge. The things that are secured for their usefulness were called by the Greeks pragma. Our word pragmatic focuses on the usefulness of something, and that which is not deemed useful is dismissed in various ways or simply skipped over. Scientists will deny this statement that they are in possession of the truth, of course. But we would not have science to begin with if the truth of the statement were not self-evident. Truth, 
as understood in the sciences, is truth as correspondence and correctness. It is with and within this understanding of truth in the sciences, the predetermined securing of the things that are, where science becomes itself a form of religion and that it strives for certainty in the meaning and purpose of its endeavors. And like all religions, its seeking is based on a type of faith, justified true belief. But this faith of science is in crisis. Perhaps the crisis for science's faith in itself is that it does not believe that it is in crisis. The faith of science is, in the manner in which truth has revealed itself to most human beings, through the objectifying of all things that are, even the God which it dismisses as an object that cannot be known. Science in this determination thus becomes essentially a closing down on the openness to truth, or to the truth as it could be understood and grasped in another way. A decision regarding what and how things are has been reached, and this decision is the, is the determination of entities or things as objects. What we understand today as personal knowledge comes to us through our understanding of our human being as subjectivity. This subjectivity we understand as our self, and it is within this self that we believe we experience our freedom, our empowerment. This understanding of the self as freedom and autonomy is the gift that the German philosopher Immanuel Kant has bestowed upon us. It is Kant who solidified and grounded the Cartesian worldview of subject-object. Cartesianism still dominates our worldview and the world picture we construct from that worldview. More will be said later on worldviews and world picture. What had been called the ways of knowing in theory of knowledge has been dispensed with in the new theory of knowledge guide for May 2022. However, they remain present, whether explicitly or implicitly. Our ways of looking at the world, our ways of relating to that world, remain our ways of knowing that world. They are our modes of disclosive looking upon the world, the ways in which we reveal what we believe the truth to be, and thus produce or bring forth knowledge. They are the lens which provides us with our perspectives on the world and the things about us. From this looking, we are able to grasp and assimilate the knowledge that becomes our personal knowledge. Because human beings are a multi-form embodied animal, and because the world is composed of multivarious beings, various ways of knowing are needed to bring this variety of beings to truth and for human beings to understand themselves regarding who and what they are. The things of the different areas of knowledge require different approaches, but it needs to be remembered that they are first things or objects. 
The Greeks understood personal knowledge as phronesis. The goal of phronesis was sophrosyne, or what we call moderation. Sometimes we call it common sense. And this related to human action, how human beings are in their worlds. The Greeks also understood knowledge as sophia, or knowledge of the first things, the divine, that which is permanent and does not undergo change. Episteme, or what we call theoretical knowledge. Techne, or know-how, knowing one's way in and about something, being at home in it. Phronesis, or knowledge about one's own personal ends. And nous, or noesis, or what we call intellectual knowledge, intelligence. All of our ways of knowing as we understand them in theory of knowledge can be found in how the Greeks understood knowledge. The, the discussion of the various ways of knowing is undertaken by Aristotle in Book 6 of his Ethics. The various ways of knowing determine the manner in which human beings are in their world and thus determine how human beings come to define themselves and how human beings choose their actions and their decisions. The areas of knowledge, history, the human sciences, the natural sciences, the arts, mathematics, are those domains that we have objectified so that they can be known. The essence of various objects are classified and determined to belong within the various domains of the areas of knowledge. The concepts we use and, der and their derivations from the language that is used to represent them determine the methodology, which in turn have been determined by the scope or applications, the use of the knowledge that comes to be revealed. As we go further, I am going to assert that technology is the decisive mode of this disclosive looking and determines all the other modes or ways of knowing and our apprehending of the world and the things that are about us. Technology is our understanding of what it means to be, what it means to be human. And this understanding is prior to and determines what we understand, reason, sense perception, emotion, language, intuition, and so on, to be. It is our understanding of what we as human beings think we are in our own being. Technology is the ontology, the way of being, and metaphysics, our knowledge of what the first things are of the age, as the German philosopher Martin Heidegger would say. Technology is the metaphysic of our age. Is it possible for the natural sciences and the human sciences, biology, chemistry, anthropology, sociology, psychology, and so on, to comprehend what human beings are, their essence, their whatness, given that the explorations and results of those sciences are the products of human activity, i.e., is it possible 
for reason to give an account of itself through reason, or emotion to give an account of itself emotionally. The consequence, the result, or the way of knowing cannot be taken for the ground or cause from which it springs. The ground takes priority or must come first, i.e., it must be a priori. We must seek out what these grounds are, for from them come our understanding of our concepts, our conceptual tools, and thus our understanding of ourselves. Modern technology is the scene, the idea that employs science. Science is not the source of technology. The seeing, that is, technology is not based on science, since the initial seeing lies outside the purview of factual empirical science. The determination to use or employ science is not a scientific idea. It is not one of the discoveries of the scientific or experimental method. The methodologies of the sciences are determined and have been determined by an understanding of what it means for human beings to be and an understanding of what things are insofar as they are things at all. Technology is the disclosive, the revealing, looking upon all that is in general. It is the looking of technology that allows modern natural science to be applied to do things that are. Technology is not applied science. Modern science is applied technology. It is difficult for us moderns to grasp this since we see technology as the gadgets that are ready to hand for us, the instruments that lie all about us. But these gadgets are the flowerings of the scene that is our technological worldview. Technology has opened up the world and gives it a space so that the technological gadgets can come into being. The grounding of what we consider knowledge to be is essentially related and grounded in our conception or understanding of truth. What is knowledge is an old question of the Greek philosopher Socrates. To consider humans the, the agents, the sources of truth, to consider truth a primarily human accomplishment amounts to a hubris a challenging of the gods. Why is this the case? And draws down an inexorable nemesis or fate, one consequence of which is the gods' withdrawal from us. We see the many warnings of this hubris in the tragic literature that has become part of our shared knowledge throughout our human history. At the core of what makes tragic heroes tragic is their lack of self-knowledge. Their actions derive from a flawed understanding of who and what they are. And this flawed understanding is grounded in a flawed perception of their being in the world, which in turn determines their flawed perceptions and thus their actions, their ethics, 
in their worlds. Their actions miss the mark or constitute hamartia, a term that comes to us from the Greek philosopher Aristotle. The prototype of this example of tragedy is Oedipus Rex. He is the challenger of the gods, Apollo in this case, for he will not accept the fate that, he, that has been assigned to him. He must kill his father and marry his mother. But what human being would accept this fate? In his blind journeying to avoid his fate, he is eventually led faithfully, directly to his fate, which he has been unwilling and unable to see. The climax of the play is the moment when the truth that has been hidden is unconcealed to Oedipus. He has indeed killed his father and married his mother. And with this unconcealing, Oedipus comes to know who he is. Such self-knowledge is not a joyous event when it is the nemesis for the hubris of challenging the God. We today find ourselves in much the same position as Oedipus. The pride that we take in our self-centeredness as human creators and makers, our humanism, has blinded us to who and what we are as human beings. Oedipus solves the riddle of the Sphinx because he is destined or fated to do so. We have solved many of the riddles of the nature of things and have created incredible, wonderful solutions to some of the problems of our existence, from the curing of diseases, to the overcoming of tedious labor and boredom, to the splitting of the atom and reconstructing the genome, because we have been destined to do so. Technology is that destiny that shapes us and drives us. By examining some aspects of the historical knowledge that has been handed over to us, the history of metaphysics, humanism, and modern technology. And as we shall see, these are all one and the same. We shall attempt to get a clear picture of this hubris and the fate that is drawn down from the displeasure of the gods, which is ironically revealed by their withdrawal or absence. And we shall have to question whether in fact the gods have withdrawn from us or whether we are incapable of seeing them because of what we are and what we have done. To the Greek philosopher Heraclitus is attributed the saying, everything is full of gods. To say this to my neighbors here, the Balinese, would draw the likely response, of course they are. The students in a theory of, theory of knowledge class in most parts of the world would probably not have any idea of what is being talked about here. But human being, as the religious animal, will have gods whether they name them as such or not. What we bow down to or what we look up to determines what the gods for us in fact are. In the past in Canada, our architecture was limited by the geography surrounding us. In Quebec, in many villages, the highest point would be the church steeple. 
In Montreal, it used to be the cross of Mount Royal. Nowadays, the highest point will probably, undoubtedly, be the telecommunications towers necessary for the transmission of our messaging and information. Here in Bali in the old days, no building was to be higher than the tallest coconut palm. Such superstitions, as shown in Quebec and Bali, have been eliminated due to the practicality and efficiency necessary because of modern technology. This definition of religion spoken of here is broader than the one traditionally understood, the five great world religions. In modern societies, technology is that to which we bow down to, if not literally, then in other ways. It is the religion for the vast majority of us from the West, and it is now becoming the world religion. It is our way of being in the world, our lifestyle. It is perhaps best expressed as the religion of progress. Although globalization, international mindedness, and other names have been given to it. It is always difficult to challenge and question the religion of the society of which one is a member. But this is what is being attempted here. That which is sacred is able to look after itself, even when it is denied by those human beings who claim that nothing is sacred. The hidden violence, hidden perhaps even to themselves, behind the machination of those who cloak themselves in the banners of free speech and freedom, is part and parcel of the product and the disposition of the technological worldview. That is, it is a predicate of the subject technology. Who and what we are and what we think the things about us are is determined by what we think truth is. What we think truth to be determines all our relations to all else that is. Who and what we think we are and what we think the world about us is, is not some marketplace in which we can pick and choose among a variety of fruit. It is a package deal. It is a fate. Our IB schools worldwide, driven by the unthinking technological gathering, ordering, and commandeering of the world and its resources, including human beings, including you as students, are nothing more than encampments on the road to environmental and economic I bring this blog to a conclusion with a, with a quote from the Canadian philosopher George Grant. When we go into the Rockies, we may have a sense that the gods are there, but if so, they cannot manifest themselves to us as ours. They are the gods of another race, and we cannot know them because of what we are and what we did. There can be nothing immemorial for us except environment as object. This is taken from his essay in defense of North America. In it, with it, I uh, include a picture of Moraine Lake in the Canadian Rockies. And anyone who has visited uh, 
this beautiful place will understand that the naming of this place, Moraine Lake, and the place itself are somewhat incongruous and relate to the quote from Grant mentioned above. 